Well, it's good to have you back. Welcome to another edition of the Arantia Radio Podcast. It's where we talk about the fifth epical revelation. My name is Jim. I'm a longtime reader and student of the Arantia book, so I love sharing all kinds of anecdotes and topical studies of the revelation and what it teaches us, and I'm so thrilled to have you with me. In a moment, we're going to be talking specifically about marriage and family life and why it's so important. Um, and uh, there's a lot that we'll talk about, a lot that we'll cover, and it will be interesting to you. And I think that you'll really appreciate, uh, even more so, if you're a new reader to the Arantia book, or even if you're not a reader at all. Uh, we welcome people from all faiths and from people from no faiths. This is an educational experience and hopefully spiritually uplifting to you as well. So uh, in light of a lot of the troubles that are going on in the world today, uh, we are going to focus specifically on marriage and family life, and I think it'll be a good journey. I also want to mention that there's an upcoming uh, session that's going on that's caught my eye, uh, thanks to the folks over at uh, the fellowship. There's a Urantia study session coming up July 24th through the 27th. It will be at Unity Village in Missouri, or Missouri, as they say. And if you go to urantiabook.org, uh, you can find out more information and you can register, find out all about the uh, accommodations and what it's all about. I'll even give you a phone number. It's 303-467-7858. That's again, 303-467-7858. Or you can go to the website, net and look up the connections and you'll find it. It's coming up in July. And it should be a lot of fun. It's about how to share the teachings uh, and the truths of the Urantia book. And I know a lot of Urantia book readers, uh, it's, it's, a, it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, and the first urge I had when I started reading the Urantia book was that I wanted to tell people about it. Um, and so imagine you'll go to a study session and talk to all kinds of people who have gone through that same experience. And there's going to be some sharing of knowledge, I'm sure. Should I give out the number again? Okay, it's 303-467-7858, and we'll get underway with our topic of discussion, which is marriage and family life, this time up on the Arantia Radio Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, I hope you got yourself a nice cup of coffee or some tea, and let's delve right into our topic of discussion this time up. It's about marriage and family life, something that I've learned a lot in reading the Arantia book, and this particular series of papers talks about the importance of family. Many of our current social problems will never ever get fixed if we don't first address the breakdown of the family in Western civilization. This is an important topic. 
broken homes, materialism, whatever the social disease, anything that tampers with or thwarts the institutions of marriage will ultimately threaten society. We know this to be true. But let's see what our revelatory commission has delivered into our hands on this specific matter. And this is just one of many illustrations of what the Arantia book offers to humanity. Frank statements we should consider and learn from in the Arantia book. Now, the author of this paper, and I think it's important to note the author, author, because it gives you a little bit of background as to what their source of knowledge is. And it's interesting if you ever want to do it as an exercise. When you read the any paper in the Arantia book, whoever the author is, do a word search and, and read up on what that author author's background might be. So, for example, in this particular paper that we're about to explore, it was written by a chief of seraphim of our planet. So this is an actual angel who wrote, it's not just an angel, it's the chief of all the angels. And he was uh, he was asked by Gabriel and the Arantia Revelatory Commission, hey, you have all this information about how uh, marriage evolved over the thousands of years, all the different phases that it went to, the nature of the relationship between men and women, evolutionary men and women, and all the customs. So if you start reading uh, the first couple of papers on this, paper 83 and 84, you really get a historical uh, knowledge of how how this whole institution evolved and what purpose it serves in, in society, and particularly in advancing civilization. So these are important lessons. And uh, I'll get, I'll leave it to you to read, but I just want to share some highlights with you because I even think from this brief sort of cherry picking, uh, there's a lot to be learned. So let's get through some of it. So first of all, in paper 83, it starts with this statement, marriage is enduring. It is not inherent in biological evolution, but it is the basis of all social evolution and is therefore certain of continued existence in some form. Marriage has given mankind the home institution, and the home is the crowning glory of the whole long and arduous evolutionary struggle. In paper 83, it says, The high degree of imagination and fantastic romance entering into courtship is largely responsible for the increasing divorce tendencies among modern Occidental peoples, all of which is further complicated by women's greater personal freedom and increased economic liberty. Easy divorce, when the results of lack of self-control or failure of normal personality adjustment only leads directly back to those crude societal stages from which men has emerged so recently, and as a result of so much personal anguish and racial suffering. So even in 1934 and 1935, this, this seraphim is pointing out that there's a problem starting to emerge in the Occidental peoples with regard to uh, marriage. And romance entering into courtship uh, is also setting up a sort of a red flag because if people engage in marriage simply for romance and courtship, then it doesn't have that undergird of strength, of commitment. And so that's what's leading to divorce. It's this illusion or disillusionment. Um. It also says from paper 83, but just so long as society fails to properly educate children and youths, so long as the social order fails to provide adequate premarital training, 
and so long as unwise and immature youthful idealism is to be the arbiter of the entrance upon marriage, just so long will divorce remain prevalent. So we, in, the, in our society, I interpret that to mean that we have to take a look at what it is that we want out of marriage and why are we entering into it. And they're saying that the reason the divorce is so high is because many people are entering into it under uh, false pretenses. It's important because it explains why we're having the breakdown. I mean, I, I read 50%, maybe 60% of all marriages in America end up in divorce. So that tells you that there's 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 a something that we're not taking into account when we enter into the idea of marriage. From a, a paper 82, it says, while religious, social, and educational institutions are all essential to the survival of culturalization, the family is the master civilizer. A child learns most of the essentials of life from his family and the neighbors. Today, the human race or races possesses a rich social and cultural heritage, and it should be wisely and effectively passed on to succeeding generations. The family, as an educational institution, must be maintained. Also from paper uh, 82, hybridization of superior and dissimilar stocks is the secret of the creation of new and more vigorous strains. And this is true of plants, animals, and the human species. Hybridization augments vigor and increases fertility. Race mixtures of the average or superior strains of various people greatly increases creative potential, as is shown in the present population of the United States of North America. From paper 82, that same section, race blending greatly contributes to the sudden appearance of new characteristics. And if such hybridization is the union of superior strains, then these new characteristics will also be superior traits. Um, for the past 100 years, more racial hybridization has been taking place on Urantia than has occurred in thousands of years. The danger of gross disharmonies as a result of crossbreeding of human stocks has been greatly exaggerated. The chief troubles of half-breeds are due more so to social prejudices. From paper 83, marriage has been many times in jeopardy and the marriage mores have drawn heavily on both property and religion for support. But the real influence which forever safeguards marriage and the resultant family is the simple and innate biological fact that men and women positively will not live without each other, be they the most primitive savages or the most cultural mortals. 83, it reads, The family which grows out of marriage is itself a stabilizer of the marriage institution together with the property mores. More potent factors in marriage stability are pride, vanity, chivalry, duty, and religious convictions. Marriage is an institution of society, not a department of church. True, religion should mighty, mightily influence it, but should not undertake exclusively to control and regulate it. The Chief of Seraphim writes in paper 83, section 6, Monogamy is monopoly. It is good for those who attain the desirable state, but it tends to work a biological hardship on those who are not so fortunate. But quite regardless of the effect on the individual, monogamy is decidedly best for the children. 
And it kind of goes into this paper, 83, Section 6, and even though they don't properly identify it as we would today, which would include the LGBTQ community, you can sense from the chief of seraphim that, that he's addressing that there are certain people in society, for whatever reason, don't fit. Um, and I take that to mean that they're talking about people who might have sexual dysfunction, people who are emotionally dysfunctional, people who come from uh, horrible backgrounds and they just can't connect emotionally with other human beings. And so they address this issue head on. Uh, and I think it's bold and in many ways even uh, far far advancing in its thinking because it's addressing some of the issues that we're having today in society with all these different kinds of family units. So the writer writes, while pursuing the mono, monogamic goal of the ideal paramarriage, uh, which is, after all, something of a monopolistic sex association, society must not overlook the unenviable situation of those unfortunate men and women who fail to find a place in this new and improved social order, even when having done their best to cooperate with and enter into its requirements. Failure to gain mates in the social arena of competition may be due to insurmountable difficulties or multitudinous restrictions, which are the current mores and what they have imposed. Truly, monogamy is ideal for those who are in, but it must inevitably work great hardship for those who are left out in the cold of solitary existence. Monogamy is the yardstick which measures the advance of social civilization as distinguished from purely biologic evolution. Monogamy is not necessarily biologic or natural, but it is indispensable to the immediate maintenance and further development of social civilization. It contributes to a delicacy of sentiment, a refinement of moral character, and a spiritual growth which are utterly impossible in polygamy. From paper 83, section 8, the ideals of marriage have made great progress in recent times. Among some peoples, women enjoy practically equal rights with their consort. In concept, at least, the family is becoming a loyal partnership for rearing offspring, accompanied by sexual fidelity. But even this newer version of marriage need not presume to swing so far to the extreme as to confer mutual monopoly of all personality and individuality. Marriage is not just an individualistic ideal, it is the evolving social partnership of a man and a woman, existing and functioning under the current mores, restricted by the taboos and enforced by the laws and regulations of society. So it's here, remember, this book was written in 34, again, they're forecasting that marriage is going to start evolving. It used to be based on tradition and all kinds of tribal mores and taboos, but now it's what is it becoming? It's becoming a true partnership between a male and a female who've chosen to go through life together and have a family and produce a family of children who learn from that parental um, example. Uh, here they write in paper 83, section 8, paragraph 9, 20th century marriages stand high in comparison with those of past ages, notwithstanding that the home institution is now undergoing a serious testing because of the problem so suddenly thrust upon the social organization by the precipitate augmentation of women's liberties and rights so long denied her in the tardy evolution of the mores of past generations. 
So what's challenging the home institution are all these rights now. And it's causing a shift in, in the dynamics of the male and the female in the, in the relationship. And they're saying, though, that marriage stands in high comparison. But now we need new tools. We need a new attitude. We need a new perspective and understanding what that, what that relationship entails when, when now you have women and men who have all of these, these rights that have suddenly been thrust upon them. So in 80, paper 84, it writes, The modern idea of sex equality is beautiful and worthy of an expanding civilization, but it is not found in nature. When might is right, man lords over women. When more justice, peace, and fairness prevail, she gradually emerges from slavery and obscurity. Women's social position has generally varied inversely with a degree of militarism in any nation or age. From paper 84, section 5, But man did not consciously or intentionally seize women's rights and then gradually and grudgingly give them back to her. All this was unconscious and unplanned as an episode of social evolution. When the time really came for women to enjoy added rights, she got them, and all quite regardless of man's conscious attitude. Slowly but surely, the mores changed so as to provide for those social adjustments which are a part of the persistent evolution of civilization. The advancing mores slowly provided increasingly better treatment for females. Those tribes which persisted in cruelty to them did not survive. From paper 84, science, not religion, really emancipated woman. It was the modern factory which largely set her free from the confines of the home. Man's physical abilities became no longer a vital essential in the new maintenance mechanism. Science so changed the conditions of living that manpower was no longer so superior to woman power. From paper 84, section 5, paragraph 10, in the ideals of pair marriage, woman has finally won recognition, dignity, independence, equality, and education. But will she prove worthy of all this new and unprecedented accomplishment? Will modern woman respond to this great achievement of social liberation with idleness, indifference, barrenness, and infidelity? Today, in the 20th century, woman is undergoing the crucial test of her long-world existence. You know, the Urantia book, I have to think less than a dozen times, there are exclamation points. And there's an exclamation point after that statement. Today, in the 20th century, woman is undergoing the crucial test of her long-world existence. Exclamation point. Paper 84, Section 5, Paragraph 11, it reads, Woman is man's equal partner in race reproduction, hence just as important in the unfolding of racial evolution. Therefore has evolution increasingly worked toward the realization of women's rights. But women's rights are by no means men's rights. Women cannot thrive on man's rights any more than man can prosper on women's rights. These are very important statements that are being made at a time when suffrage is, was less than 20 years old, women having the right to vote. And a lot of the tension going on and the factions that go into the dis- disintegration of marriage and family life are being addressed in these, in these writings here from paper 84. Male and female are practically regarded two distinct varieties of the same species living in close and intimate association. Their viewpoints and their entire life reactions are essentially different. They are wholly incapable of full and real comprehension of each other. 
complete understanding between the sexes is not attainable. This is coming from a chief of seraphim, and they've seen a lot, I'm sure. That's what they do. They observe human behavior. Paper 84, section 6, women seem to have more intuition than men, but they also appear to be somewhat less logical. Woman, however, has always been the moral standard bearer and the spiritual leader of mankind. The hand that rocks the cradle still fraternizes with destiny. The difference in viewpoint between male and female persists even beyond the first life and throughout the local and super-universe ascensions. Marriage is an institution designed to compose sex differences, meanwhile affecting the continuation of civilization and ensuring the reproduction of the race. Paper 84, Section 6, Paragraph 8. Marriage is the mother of all human institutions, for it leads directly to the home founding and home maintenance, which is the structural basis of society. The family is linked to the mechanisms of self-maintenance. It is the sole hope of race perpetuation under the mores of civilization, while at the same time it is most effectively provides certain high satisfactory forms of self-gratification. The family is man's greatest purely human achievement, combining as it does the evolution of the biologic relations of male and female with the social relations of husband and wife. The hunger of the soul cannot be satisfied with physical pleasures. The love of home and children is not augmented by the unwise pursuit of pleasure. Though you exhaust the resources of art, color, sound, rhythm, music, the adornment of person, you cannot hope thereby to elevate the soul or to nourish the spirit. Vanity and fashion cannot minister to home building and child culture. Pride and rivalry are powerless to enhance the survival qualities of succeeding generations. Paper 84, Section 8, Paragraph 5. Advancing celestial beings all enjoy rest and the ministry of the reversion directors. All efforts to obtain wholesome diversion and to engage in uplifting play and sound, refreshing sleep, rest, recreation, and all pastimes which prevent the boredom of monotony are worthwhile. What they're saying here in these two paragraphs is addressing what's happening, I think, in culture today. People are narcissists. They're completely self-absorbed. Everything is centered around vanity. And, and often, and I was telling my son this, you'll hear this often all the time, empowerment, self-empowerment to the degree where basically it becomes the obsession of self. That's what they're dealing that's what they're saying here is that all of these things work against the family if they are distracting people from the importance of family life and the satisfaction that you get out of family life. And that all these other things are attempts to have that same satisfaction, but they only serve to undermine the integrity of the family unit. I think that's what they're saying. And then they go on to say that you know, even in celestial life, we're all entitled to rest. We're all entitled to reversion, recreation, refreshing sleep. But they're not intended to take the place of the real achievements that are that are accomplished in family life. And, and this is an important thing, too, from Paper 84. Let man enjoy himself. Let the human races find pleasure in a thousand and one ways. Let evolutionary mankind explore all forms of legitimate self-gratification the fruits of the long upward 
biological struggle. Man has well earned some of his present-day joys and pleasures, but look you well to the goal of destiny. Pleasures are indeed suicidal if they succeed in destroying property, which has become the institution of self-maintenance, and self-gratifications have indeed cost a fatal price if they bring about the collapse of marriage, the decadence of family life, and the destruction of the home. Man's supreme evolutionary acquirement and civilization's only hope of survival. I'll close with this. A U.S. congressman made a salient point recently at a nationally televised conference, and he was talking about the current state of family in the United States. And he said that no one comes from a perfect family, but it shouldn't mean the family shouldn't be preserved as an important institution of society. It's where all the great lessons come from, and no other institution can better prepare men and women for the long journey ahead in this world and the next. Indeed, the Holy Trinity of the deities is really the first family. It is the model of existence. We also see it in the Creator Son and the Divine Spirit and the Jubilee of Jubilees. And we're learning here from this chief of seraphim that those societies that treat family as being precious and worth preserving endure far longer than those societies that do not. There is no way the Western society can survive unless we change course and fight to preserve family, not only in the United States, but the entirety of Western culture. And that's where we'll leave it. Any comments that you have, your Rancher Radio, I'm always happy to hear from you, and I thank all those people, and I always try to respond. The email address, your Radio at gmail.com. And I hope that you've enjoyed this segment of the Arantia Radio Podcast. Until next time, thank you for stopping by. If I were a carpenter, you were a lady, would you marry me anyway? Would you have my baby? If a tinker were my trade, would you still find me carrying pots I made? Save my love through loneliness Save my love